prayer, I forgot to mention. Um, you remember uh, Matt Shiflet, who came and preached just a few weeks ago? young man. Um, His mother had COVID at the time. I don't know if you knew that. Um, She's down in South Carolina, and um, his mother died uh, three days ago um, after spending several weeks in the hospital. And so Matt is down there, and so be praying for him. And then also, if you remember Claudio and Amy Molina, Claudio the big Argentine, um, who played at my uh, ordination, and they've been here one other time, I think. Uh, they're also down in South Carolina, in Greenville, and uh, Claudio's dad, Jorge Molina, who is a pastor in Argentina, also got COVID and died uh, just yesterday, I believe, or maybe it was Friday. Friday. And so two, two folks that you all know, uh, uh, their parents have recently died. Um, and Matt, quite a young man, so I don't know how old his mother was, but he's only 25, I think. And so she would have been a, a younger woman. Jorge is probably in his mid-70s, I think. Um, and so uh, pray for them. Uh, Matt is down in South Carolina. Claudio is planning to fly back to Argentina for a couple of weeks to be with his family. He's got two sisters and a brother. Um, pray for them. His brother, Ivan... Uh, is not a believer. Um, his two sisters, I think, are. Yeah, I'm not sure. And so be praying for him as he goes down there to minister to his family. Um, so let me pray as we begin the sermon, and I'll pray for those two families. Father, we, we do pray for Matt and his family and for Claudio and his family that you would comfort them. And Father, you would... You would uh, uh, keep us all aware that uh, our time is not ours, it is yours. And that at any moment uh, you could call us to the end. And so, Father, we pray that you'd make us use every moment wisely. And that we would believe on the word that you've given us. And so we pray for that this morning, that you would strengthen the word to our hearts. In Christ's good name, amen. Excuse me. So I mentioned earlier that it's Sanctity of Life Sunday. There's just any number of things that we could touch on in Scripture about abortion and those sorts of things. I could rattle off a lot of figures, and I probably will say some things about numbers. Um, but there's below, below the, the horror of abortion that has been on our land is... Stuff that was happening for decades and decades and decades and decades before that. Um, things that are invisible, things that are harder to see, things that are foundational, though. Um, and so this morning we're going to be looking at Matthew 19. And the few verses we're going to be looking at are chapter, verses 13 to 15. So this is directly after both Mark and and Matthew record this incident happening directly after Jesus had just taught on divorce and marriage and, uh, um, and all that sort of thing. So he had, he had just been questioned about why Moses gave us a certificate of divorce. And Jesus says, because of the hardness of your heart that we've been given this thing. But it wasn't so from the beginning. Therefore, it is written, uh, the two shall become one flesh. And, and what God has joined together, let not man separate. Um, 
And then the disciples had asked him, if such a case of a man with his wife, it's better not to marry. But he said to them, not everyone can receive this saying, but only to those whom it is given. And so there's this difficulty with marriage. There's this difficulty with the permanency of marriage that has always existed because of the hardness of men's hearts. So divorce has a legitimate reason in Scripture, and that is for fornication or adultery and abandonment. And if those two things happen, it's lawful for Christians to get divorced. Um, But outside of that, marriage is permanent. And that comes with all kinds of difficulties. Uh, There are many things that make marriage difficult. Um, And so then, right after he talks about this, then he says, but there are some who have been made eunuchs. Either eunuchs at birth, or they were born that way, um, or they were made eunuchs made eunuchs, and there are eunuchs who have been made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom and of heaven. So he basically gives us three classes of people who don't marry um, and who have no desire to marry. Those who have been made eunuchs by men. Now, thankfully, this is a practice that has basically died off in the West, um, but was still not prevalent, but practiced uh, until the 1800s. You can actually listen, if you want to put yourself through it, to the last castrati. Castrati were boys who had their testicles removed before puberty so that their voices wouldn't drop so that they could sing soprano for the opera. The last Castrati, I don't know exactly when he died. I think it was in the 20s or the 30s in the West. I mean, this was still practiced in what we would call the European Union until about 100 years ago. And it's haunting because it's the power of a man and the voice of a woman So some men are made this way. That's not good. There's no good reason for that. Some men are born this way, which is basically God acknowledging through Jesus that there are strange abnormalities at birth that uh, are difficult to explain. Um, We could go into long discussions of what it means to be born with two X chromosomes and a Y chromosome or XYY or all these sorts of variations which make it very difficult to determine the sex of a child. Um, Thankfully, most of those things these days are able to be determined, but not all of them. Not all of them. There's still difficulty that remains sometimes determining the sex of a child. But those are abnormal. They're very rare. They don't happen very often. And then further than that, aside from the determination of sex, but then there is just other abnormalities that God puts in the world that make it difficult for people to get married. So things like Down syndrome or various other sorts of things that make it very difficult for children to grow up and have the ability to be married and have children. And God acknowledges those things. He says some men have been made eunuchs, some men were born eunuchs, meaning they do not have the physical ability, mentally, physically, whatever, to become married and have children. And some men choose to be eunuchs. Um, those men are addressed, and women are addressed, by Paul in 1 Corinthians 7, where he says, if you can practice self-control and you don't burn, don't get married. You can devote yourself entirely to the Lord. But if you have a desire and you can't exercise self-control, you need to get married. That's what God has given to us, so that we don't burn and then develop into all kinds of sexual weirdness. Those are the three things that God addresses here through through Christ's words to us um, about marriage, divorce, and those who don't marry. 
And then immediately it says, Then children were brought to him, that he might lay his hands on them and pray. So the immediate reaction of the people who were there to hearing his teaching on divorce, marriage, eunuchs, is to bring their children to them. They feel the weight of what he has just talked about in the fruits of their wombs and go, this, if we can endure marriage, the point of it, the purpose of it is to raise up godly seed. And here they are. And so they bring them. But the disciples rebuked the people. In Mark it says he rebuked them. Um, It's unclear, but it seems like the disciples probably yelled at the kids and the parents. What do you, get away, get out of here, right? Don't bother the master. We're talking about adult things here. We're not talking about children. We're talking about marriage and divorce and eunuchs. This is stuff that doesn't bother about little children. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. Do not hinder the children. Do not hinder the children. Now, they're right there, we're dealing with physical reality, right? The children that are physically there in Jesus' presence, in the disciples' presence, with their parents, don't hinder them. Let them come. But now let's think about all the things that have to happen before that moment. People have to get married, people have to have children. And if people don't get married and don't have children, there are no children to be hindered. And our society hinders children all the time because we tell people, don't worry about getting married. You can live together. You can have a bunch of partners. You can date around. Here's some condoms. Here's some oral contraceptive. Go have some fun. Don't worry about getting married and having kids. And then when they finally do get married in their late 20s, we say to them, don't, don't have kids right away. Don't have kids right away. Get your career. Have, you know, have some fun as a married couple. Get your traveling in because once you have kids, it's all out the door. You're going to spend every last dime you have and every minute of the day thinking about your kids. And boy, that's no fun. You don't want to do that. Get it all out. And so then you have the problem of women who've been on contraceptives since they were 16 or 18 for 10 or 15 years. It causes physical problems with reproduction, right? You're on contraceptives for 15 years. It makes it difficult to get pregnant afterwards. There's all kinds of reasons for that. There's hormonal stuff that's going on. And so then you have a woman who gets married at 28, who's now 33, wants to have children, can't have children. Now, who is responsible for all this? Who has hindered the children? We have. We have. The church is so slow to counter the world's argument here. And so what happened 50, 60 years ago, second wave feminism? Get into the workforce. It's the most important thing. Women to work, women to work, equal pay, equal pay, women to work, women to work. This is such a prevailing thing that there are many, many studies about the efficacy of contraceptives solely based on how much they affect the economy. 
The baseline of one that I read this week was any contraceptive is better than no contraceptive because children cost money and waste productivity. That is the message. That is absolutely the message. The Guttmacher Institute, which tracks abortions and is not pro-life, like they're not in it for the children. They're in it to just state the facts. Over and over, if you read anything on any of those websites, they talk about the cost, the cost, the cost, the cost, the cost, the money, the, the productivity, the loss of workforce, the blah, 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 blah. It's all about money. And so here's the church caught flat-footed for 50, 60, 70 years. And we don't have the gumption to say, not, you don't even have to be strong about it, but just the question, the insinuation, it might be good if you just had children and got married. We don't even like to say it. We don't even like to say it. It might be good. Not let alone that God says it is good to be married and have children. We don't even like to say it might be good. And so we tell our children, wait to get married, finish college, get a career, wait to have children, get a good career, and then travel some and spend time with your spouse because you want a good relationship. And I've talked about this before in relation to money, but talking to my grandparents and my great aunts and uncles, people who now would be in their 90s, people who are two generations removed from me, who are just before second wave feminism, just before it, right? World War II generation, just before it. None of them regret huge families. None of them do. Eight, ten kids, poor as the day is long, went through the depression, couldn't get anything, had to, you know, the... Just the stories out of those decades is horrendous on the surface. But all of them, all my relatives that I know and spoke with about this, did not regret the big family. Why? What changed? They were poorer than poor could be in the 30s and had a dozen kids and did not regret it. And by the time my parents' generation came around, the second wave feminist generation, it was, we'll have none of that. We will have more than our parents, less children, and a bigger house. And Jesus says, don't hinder the children. Don't hinder the children. Here's how this all ties together. We through various means, encourage the hindrance of children as the church and as a society. One, we ask questions of big families. You do know how to stop that, right? We tend to think, boy, they're really pulling in a lot of resources that could be better used elsewhere. How do I know we think these things? Well, I have five children, my friends. I know that's how we think. I know that's how we think. It's expensive, see? And boy, do we love to talk about the expense of children. 
Every year they publish a new study. Every single year how much it costs to raise a child from birth to 18. Every year they update it just so that we know. You know how much the FDA, the food and drug, no, not the FDA, the USDA, that's who puts the number out. Every year they do the study, they calculate their numbers, they put, how much does it cost, you know, how much is food, how much is And then they go, the report is in, the new USDA number of how much it costs to raise a child from birth to 18 is in, and it's gone up again. It's now approaching $250,000. Now, think about this. Think about this. That's over the course of 20 years you have to pull in $250,000 for one child. I have five kids, guys. That's $1.25 million over the course of about 25 years. Nobody in their right mind looks at that number and thinks, I could do that. I could make that kind of money. Because that's not including normal living expenses. That's not including how much it costs to have a wife. That's not including how much it costs to have anything else. That's just kids. I'm not going to make $1.25 million in the next 25 years. I have no expectation to. And we say that to people and we think that's not going to have an effect on the birth rate, contraceptive use, sterilization. That won't affect anybody. That's just a number in the pie, in the air. And yet the most cited reason, the most cited reason by women and men of why they don't have children, money. It is the most cited reason. Money. And instead, instead of saying to to men and women who are getting married, that number is garbage. For two reasons. One, It does not cost that much money to raise a child. Two, the Lord is in heaven and does all that he pleases. And if you have a dozen children, God will absolutely feed them, clothe them, and keep them for 18 years. We don't say that to people. We don't say that to people. Instead, we go, oh, yeah, it is expensive. You know, I I don't know if it's $250,000 expensive, but it is not cheap. And then you got college. That's what we say to people. No, 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 friends. Don't hinder the children. Change your vocabulary. Do not say to a couple, boy, they're expensive. Yeah, yeah, they can be. No, you say, God is the provider of all good things. And there is no expense which God will not have. He loves his children. Jesus said, bring them to me. And do you think he won't care for them if they're in your home? Because you didn't make a million dollars? He will take care of his children. He will do it. It is not impossible for him. It is easy for him. Easy for him to provide. That is number one. We have to absolutely be completely different than the world about this. We have to be 100% the opposite. When we hear anyone say, I don't know if we can afford it. God is a provider. He will not abandon you. He is good. He will keep you. You will not die for lack of want if you are God's child. That is absolutely number one bedrock. And we, we have to do better at it. We have to do better. Listen, we're in a town that's Catholic. Okay, My wife and I remarked about this about a year ago. 
Do you know how many 15-passenger vans exist in this town? Like three. One of them is Protestant. I know, because we met them. Now, I don't know how much you know about the Roman Catholic faith, but the Roman Catholic faith, it is against Roman Catholic law to use contraceptives of the sort that we take in our mouth, pill. You cannot use them. You can't use an IUD. The only forms of birth control that are allowed in the Catholic belief system, which I would say should be the Protestant belief system, but unfortunately isn't, is natural birth planning, which is basically trying to time it so you don't get pregnant, and sterilization, tube tying, vasectomy. Now, if you look in our town, which is 80% Catholic, and you look at the fact that there are nobody has more than four kids, it's three and four kid families, which are bigger than the average, right? The average family is one and a half, okay? I thought you'd like that, Dana. It's one and a half, just a half. So they have twice as many in our town as normal. But then they miraculously, 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 nobody in our town has screwed it up in 20 years. They've been able to somehow to perfectly time it for 20 years to not have any more children. 40% of women who have three children, 40% of women who have three children choose to be sterilized in our country. Choose to have their tubes tied. You know what their most cited reason? It's not medical. It's not medical. There are reasons that women who have had multiple children should look into these things. Multiple C-sections are very hard on a woman's body. C-section rate has skyrocketed in the last 20 years. is now hovering around 15% of all children born are C-section. You have three or four C-sections... You're basically at the limit. You might be able to have one or two more, but it's very hard on a body. You might have to look into something like tube tying or a vasectomy in order to protect the woman from possible death. Or she has a history of ectopic pregnancies, which are also very difficult. Or any number of medical reasons. And you'd think, well, that's got to be a high number. It's not. It's not a high number. Most of the, the sterilization that happens is elective. It's elective. Women go, and men and their husbands with them. We've already got three. If we get another one, you know, that means like a different van, and that's a lot of money. And, you know, and then it's, we got another school, and we go to the Catholic school. That's another how much ever it is to go to a Catholic, I don't know, how much ever it is to pay to go to the Catholic school. We can't afford it, Sally. We just can't afford it. And she goes, well, what are we going to do? Well, you know, we can't get the oral contraceptives. We can't take the pill. I think you're just going to have to get your tubes tied. And then about 10% of them say, I guess I'm just going to have to get a vasectomy, get snipped like a dog. We can't have any more, Sally. We just can't. We can't afford it. If you combine both the 40% of women and the 10% of men, that's half of the people of childbearing age between 25 and 40 who electively choose to absolutely stop reproduction in a Catholic town. In, in a real Catholic town of yesteryear, there are, there's a reason this exists in the world, the cliche of, oh, they must be Catholic. Because it was real! 
There was a marked difference between Protestants who took the pill and Catholics who did not. And it was big families. And then they stopped. They stopped. We have to be absolutely on this. And when moms are here and they're tired, and they've got a crying baby, and it's their third or their fourth, and you can tell it's hard to make ends meet. You can tell that it's not easy to be in this situation. Because it is expensive. It is hard to have kids. It's not cheap. It's not like somehow food grows on the tree in your backyard, which we don't even have. We have a Bradford pear, which gives you no actual edible fruit. Okay? You don't say to her, I don't know how you do it. You might say that to her. Instead you go, God will help you do it. God will help you do it. And I hope he gives you a handful more. Because there's nothing better, nothing better than seeing that your children are walking with the Lord. And if it's a dozen, that's a dozen joys. And if it's four, that's four joys. And if it's one, that's one joy. And that's great. But don't hinder the children. Because what's happening behind closed doors, what you don't see, is the fact that they've changed languages. Okay, So if you take oral contraceptive or use an IUD, they'll say to you, this does not cause abortions or end a pregnancy. And you go, that seems weird. But the second or third tier use of oral contraceptives and IUDs is the thinning of the uteral wall. Now what that does is it makes it slick when it should be sticky. Just think of it like that. And an egg gets implanted with a sperm and about a week later finds itself trying to get stuck on that wall like Velcro. Okay? And they say, well, that's, you're not pregnant yet because it hasn't gotten stuck. And so the fact that we have made it impossible to get stuck shouldn't matter. But it does matter, friends. It does matter. It does matter. It's the difference between saying to a man, we have a house that you can rent. Or being honest and saying, we have a ramshackle slum that you can live in. And we all know this, right? We all know a slumlord is different than a landlord, right? We know that there are people in town who have buildings, that have rooms that we wouldn't want anyone to live in. Even in Jasper. Even in Jasper. There's always guys who say, no, I'm providing a service. I'm providing a room and a roof. And you should be grateful for the slum garbage that you get. And we all, if we have any conscience, go, dude, you should at least get a toilet that works. Right? That seems reasonable. When we have a, an inhospitable environment for an egg that has been fertilized, that is now seven days old, that is now on the order of about 100 to 200 cells, that has its 46 chromosomes, that if we were able to take it, and put it on a little testing sheet, we could tell you who its parents were, who its grandparents were, who its brothers and sisters were. We can do that before you're pregnant by the medical definition of pregnant. 
And so one of the things we have to do, we have to do, is to encourage men and women to trust God with their pregnancies much more than they do by not using IUDs, by not using the pill, by relying on the regular form that God has provided for us for 2,000 years, and that is natural. It's not good, usually, for a woman to have a baby every nine months. That is also hard on a woman to the point where it may kill her. Okay? There are ways in which God has provided us a way so that we don't do that. And they have nothing to do with taking a pill. But the thing about not taking the pill or using an IUD or being sterilized is the rate of return on that natural family planning is quite a bit less. Because even if you are good about taking your temperature and tracking things, you're married. (laughs) And there may be a Wednesday that maybe you shouldn't, but you're married and would like to meet your wife and your wife would like to meet the husband in the bedroom. Okay? And so they do. And so they get pregnant even though they've been trying not to. And God provides them a joy. A joy that they didn't know they could have. So we have to be much more aware of the fact that it's not just the the clinic up in Bloomington that provides abortions. It's not just that. It's not, it's not just that. We hinder children all the time because we don't encourage our people to trust God for money and children. Instead, we, we side with everybody else that says the career is the most important and then the life with the spouse is the second most important and then the children down the line somewhere. Children are a blessing, and they're a difficult blessing, just like all of God's gifts. All of God's gifts are difficult, right? There's not a one that isn't. Because God is trying to show us that even the good things that we think are just the the best thing in the world, we are needful of his grace to use them. We need his grace to use them. Think about it. Anything you want to think about, right? Right? A car. That's a good gift, right? I can go from our house here to my parents' house in under four hours in a car. They live, I don't even know how many miles away, 200 miles away, something like that. It would take a week, 100 years ago, to go that far. A week! I can go there in four hours. If I wanted to, and I was still young enough and crazy enough, we could go there, have dinner, and drive back. I'm just barely too old for that. But we did it a couple of years ago. That's a good gift. And yet we are dependent every moment to use it rightly, aren't we? To not die by the hands of it. Every single moment we're dependent on the grace of God and the good things he has given us. How much more so children... We are dependent every moment, every moment on God's grace to us with the greatest blessing the world has ever known. Children. Children. We need them every moment with them. And yet they are the greatest joy. The greatest joy. Even with all the... You know, we were lamenting a little beforehand and the difficulty of 
a teenage son and the various choices you make and don't make. And would you trade it? Easy, Dana. <laughs> this morning, maybe. <laughs> Most, I mean, that's the thing. Even when it's just like, good, they are a blessing. And so that's what we have to be here. Lord willing, in a few months, there's going to be people that walk through this door that have one or two or three or four. And they have been told over and over and over and over and over again, better knock that off. You don't want to end up in the poorhouse. Better knock that off. There's a lot more satisfying things. Better knock that off. We have to be different. When you see them come in, you go and you talk to those children and you talk to those parents and you go, isn't God good to give you a family? And hasn't God been wonderful to provide for you in ways that you couldn't even explain? And isn't it good that He will continue to do that? And wouldn't it be great to have more brothers and sisters? You need to be, you're all mostly older, you need to be the needling grandparents to your grandchildren to say, when am I going to see another little one? When are you going to give me another little baby to hold? When, are you gonna, when am I going to hear the crying in the back of the church again? When are we going to need to build a nursery? Boy, wouldn't it be nice if we had to spend all of our money to build a nursery. That kind of language, that's you. Use it. Don't be afraid that you're putting too much pressure on people to have children. They have no pressure anywhere to have children. All the pressure is not to have children. We will be the only voice saying, have another. I promise you, nobody tells people to have kids. Nobody. The government is so freaked out because they know if they ain't no kids, they ain't no money. And if they ain't no money, they ain't no jobs for me. And so what did they do this last year? They went and they were like, how are we going to fix this problem of declining birth rate in the United States that is now well below replacement rate? We got two fixes, guys. Immigration and trying to tell people to have kids. So we're going to up the immigration and what's the only thing we can do? We're going to just start heaping money on families with kids. Please, please have more children. Have some money, please, please have more kids. And you know what it's done? The birth rate declined last year. It went down. It's the lowest it has ever been in the United States. Despite the fact that the government went, Yeah, have money if you have kids. Because all the other voices say to them, It's not going to be enough money. You're never going to have enough money. It doesn't matter if the government paid for everything. You don't have enough money for kids. You don't have enough time for kids. You don't have enough relational ability to have kids. We have to be the voice that's different. We have to say, Don't hinder the children. Don't hinder the children. Let them come. Because if they don't get out of the womb, they'll never get to know this joy 
of knowing you. They'll never know it. Don't hinder the children. Let's pray this morning.